You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for, for, for Monday, July 26th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or more recently, Just Baseball. Or perhaps maybe you by any chance might be a pop culture guy, entertainment sort of lad or gal, whatever. You might uh, be familiar with some of my work at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Film Crud, and more, and hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast, though. You can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, which uh, is a great account with all the funny memes, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only though, only guys, if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to respond to you. As long as you're not being silly, then I'll respond to you. But honestly, I, even if you're being silly, I'll respond to you. I mean, it's usually it's fun. I like interacting with you guys. What can I say? Uh, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by AJ Roller. But... It's actually also brought to you by Locked On LB Prospects, which you guys should check out. Uh, is covering every future star of the MLB. Hosts Armley and brings you player interviews, farm system breakdowns every day. Every day. That's right, every day. Subscribe to Locked On LB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. But also, today's episode is brought to you by AJ Preller. Making the move of yesterday. Adam Frazier. Welcome to San Diego. Happy to have you. We're going to be talking about that move a little bit later on in the show after we recap some of these games in this Miami series because believe it or not, there was a lot to talk about. Believe it or not, yes. Believe it or not, despite the fact that they traded for an all-star second baseman, uh, there were still some other things that did happen this weekend, guys, uh, pertaining to the Padres and how they played. So we're going to talk about that you know, talk about Adam Frazier, wind things down, preview what's, uh, what's to come for the rest of the week because let me tell you guys, it's going to be a wild week. This is not over yet. So uh, let's get into it, guys. Let's talk about Friday's game first, which was a W for the Padres, right? They went 5-2, to two, and there's not, to be honest with you, not too much to talk about in this game. So we're going to kind of blaze through this one really quickly. Uh, Joe Musgrove has his first pretty, like, solid start in a little bit. He'd been struggling a little bit. You know, he hadn't gone past six innings since June 23rd against the Dodgers. Granted, Great time to go six innings was against the Dodgers, but ever since then, four innings, five innings, four and a third, five innings. This one, he goes six. Granted, it was against the Marlins, but still allowing two earned runs on six hits, walking one, striking out four. The strikeout rate has gone down a little bit ever since the beginning of the season. He's still got some killer stuff, but like I said, guys, ERA at 3.13. He's still been very, very solid for this team and will continue to be very solid. I said after the no-hitter. You guys can go look it up. Go look up... uh, Joe Musgrove no-hitter. It should pop up in the feed somewhere for Lockdown Padres, I mean. And I said, even if he finishes the season with like a 3.4 ERA, he's still that's still great, especially considering what the Padres gave up, which really isn't all that much of importance. This was a guy that is basically one of the bigger breakouts uh, among baseball this season. 
Remember, it's about having a complete team, a more complete pitching staff, and just instead of hoping for all aces all the time. You know what I mean? And that's not taking into account who knows how he'll perform in the playoffs, who knows how he'll perform against, you know, down the stretch. Things could get better. Maybe he'll get under that 2.8 mark that he was for most of the season. You know what I mean? Or maybe the 2.2 mark. A little bit more dubious about that. But basically, he was a storyline of Friday's game. Uh, For the Marlins side of things, uh, it wasn't good. This is a very, very poor team, I'd say, out in Miami. They're really on the downturn. But uh, in terms of the Padres' offense, aside from some of the mistakes that the Marlins made, which we'll get into in a second, uh, Tommy Pham homered in the top of the first inning. Remember when we were giving this guy crap? Seriously. Remember? Remember all the shit we were giving this guy? Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, there is... It, he is such a good example of why you need to pay attention to the metric stuff. Even if it's just looking at the stat cast profile and baseball savant, look at that stuff when someone's having a poor start. Just looking at the slash line is not giving you the full story. It's a decent part of the story. It's a decent chunk. And he was really bad. He had like an OPS of like 330 for his first month. Like he was absolutely atrocious, grinding into double plays. He could never give us a big hit in the games that we needed, say, that the first time we played the Dodgers when we lost two out of three. Yeah, remember when we lost to the Dodgers? That feels like a long time ago, right? Um, and now he's just becoming one of the best players on the team. He's not a guy that's going to hit 30 home runs. I actually think he might only hit like 18 to 20, which is still fine. But he's an elite on-base guy, top five in the league in terms of outside zone swing percentage, which we'll talk about that uh, plate discipline of his in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, there, there, you just not much to be uh, concerned about there. Grisham gets an RBI in this game with a single. Love to see that. Trent Grisham, very low-key, has not been all that incredible uh, so far in the second half of the season, or not, not even second half, but past couple months or so. You know, I just regaled you with the whole thing about how the slash line doesn't tell you the full story, but let's just talk about that for a second. In April, in 18 games, he had a 300 batting average with a 380 on base, 514 slugging, granted just 18 games. And then in May, in 18 games, he had a 303, 387, 515 uh, slash line, which is very similar, of course. And then these past two months, June, 17 games, 232, 323, 554, which is good. And then July, 230, 337, 297. So July has been especially bad. He's not hitting the ball particularly hard, not getting a lot of hits. He basically became just a home run only guy for June. I mean, pr- I mean pretty much he had um, f- only four home runs, but he was just smacking stuff all over the place and getting a lot of RBIs for the team, which was nice with the six doubles and all that. But uh, it just, Grisham very secretly has been a little bit poor lately, been a little bit poor. Um, but also in this game, as I mentioned, the Marlins really kind of showed why they're, you know, a mediocre team. You had Adam Duvall who had a homer. Very underrated play over there, by the way, for the Marlins. I wouldn't be shocked to see them trade him. Good defensive player, and he just hits bombs. You know what I mean? He has like 22 on the year, so he's very good. Jesus Aguilar hits a double that ends up mid-game, game 3-2. But then, basically the biggest moment of the game, top of the eighth inning, Myers reaches on a a fielder's choice, uh, second and third, uh, and Myers is unable to get a hit. But even if he had it, the, the contact was probably going to allow Jake Cronenworth to score, but there was a fielding error by Sandy Leon that allows also Manny Machado to score, and everybody's safe, and that's basically it. So that was just a, a little microcosm, that play, of how poor the Marlins have been this year. So uh, nice to see them get the win there. The Shark comes in, gets the save, which was great. Now... 
let's talk about Saturday's game real quick. Real quick, because I didn't actually get a chance to watch all of Saturday's game. Saturday's game was uh, on the day it happened to be I was at a, a little birthday party with my friend. We had a little pool party thing. It was pirate-themed, uh, which was very, very fun. I'm a big fan of pirates, as you guys uh, may know. I am a one-piece guy, so uh, I, I had a lot of fun there. So I didn't get to see all of the games, so I'll only recap it just a little bit since I can't really speak to uh, the in-game action as much. But in the game, the Padres end up losing this one 2-3. to three. Uh, is a start in which Ryan Weathers looks pretty impressive going four innings, uh, only allowing two hits, no runs, walking three, striking out four. Love Ryan Weathers. Craig Stammen is in the game. He's fine. But Tim Hill takes the loss in this one, giving up two runs in just two-thirds innings of work. So not a great moment for uh, Tim Hill. In general, I feel like the bullpen is a little bit gassed, if we're being honest. And I think that... The Padres should look to boost their bullpen. You don't have to go for some of the... You don't need a Craig Kimbrell. Everybody wants Craig Kimbrell. But maybe just get a Paul Fry, which is a name that I've been really interested in. And hey, maybe Emmanuel Clace? Question mark? No, the Indians. That That's kind of a high-end tier guy. I still think those guys could be traded, both him and Karen Track. But, uh, you know, just bolster the bullpen a little bit would be nice. Um, and the biggest thing that happened in this game is that the Padres, and I looked at some of the replays, I looked at the videos uh, that were sent out and what have you, uh, the umpiring was absolutely atrocious uh, in this game. Uh, It was reported that 15 of the 17 missed calls by home plate umpire, Doug Eddings, 15 of the 17 went against the Padres. And you saw Tatis get upset, you see Tommy Pham get tossed, and Tommy Pham, by the way, like I just mentioned before, great plate discipline guy. If there's anybody who knows the strike zone, it's him. So there was a lot of questionable things. There was an inside like curveball that went near like Myers's like knees that was called a strike three. It was really, really rough. There were some calls that weren't going the way for Emilio Pagan. It was really bad. I am not a guy that likes to bash the umpires. If you guys have listened before, you know me. I, one of my things is a core fundamental belief that is a little bit separate from baseball is I don't like rooting for machines to take over the jobs of uh, human beings anyway. I'm not totally sure that it would render umpires completely inert and they would just not be used at all. I'm just saying, I in general, I am very, very, very cautious with any of those things just based on someone who observes the way the world uh, goes sometimes. Uh, so I don't really like that. But when you have moments like that, when you have your New Orleans Saints from a few years ago, the non-pass interference call, which was total BS, and in my opinion, that took away the Super Bowl from the Saints. Patriots weren't that good that year. Just I'm not even hating on Boston. They just weren't all that good that year. And then you got to play the, the layup, you know, yogurt uh, of, a, of, a, of a matchup with the Jared Goff. You know what I mean? Come on. So the Saints would have killed them. But I think moments like that is when you can be upset. General strike three calls, it's annoying. But when it's consistently throughout the game, man, it's rough to see. I'm not pro... I'm not pro or anti-robot umps because I do acknowledge that it feels like they're just not helping their case with some of the calls we've seen this year. We've seen, you know, even in video replay, they still manage to not make the right call. So that's my thing. I'm not going to make this a haterade thing for umpires. I feel like y'all are plenty good at doing that yourselves. Um, But yeah, really rough one for the Padres, and especially since they only lost it by one run. A lot of those calls matter, man. A lot of those calls matter. Uh, Before we get into the next game, though, and talk a little bit about the Padres in general, uh, let me just talk to you guys really quickly about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, obviously, it's back in full swing. We had the All-Star break, but we're back. Uh, and you can check all the action at Bet Online, and also check all the stuff, latest news, on info for all of your favorite sports, NBA, NHL, UFC, whatever you need to pay attention to. 
before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use that promo code Locked On, guys. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, and we are back talking about this Padres weekend series in Miami. Oh, yeah, Miami. Uh, But it wasn't all that happy. As I mentioned, we lost uh, Saturday's game on a bunch of questionable calls, in fairness. Uh, And then we lose this game, and it was kind of a trouncing. And you wouldn't expect that, given that you Darvish was on the mound. Uh, in this game, the Padres lose 9-3. to Very, very, very sad loss. That made me very sad. I mean, very sad. That makes you sad. Good job, Javi. Uh, but in this game, all the only noteworthy things that happen is Eric Hosmer manages to get a single in the top of the second to bring in Tommy Pham. Manny Machado hits a blast to deep center field, uh, which was lovely. Absolutely adored that. And then Brian O'Grady in garbage time. I'll, I know it's not the term used for baseball. It's more of a football thing. But he homers uh, to deep right in the top of the ninth inning, which was a nice little cute little consolation prize because Brian O'Grady is like one of those favorites of Padres Twitter. I don't know. There's just something about him. We're all like... We're being facetious about it, I think, when we call him the second coming or whatever. It's really fun, but it's also, I see his wife on Twitter, and they seem very positive and happy about being on the Padres and all that stuff. So I'd like to see O'Grady get a few more at-bats every now and then. I'm not saying that's a must. I'm not like blaming the Padres for not starting more, but it'd just be nice to see the guy more. He seems cool. Um, but basically, that's it for positives from the Padres in this game. Uh, like I said, the Marlins scored nine runs in this one. A huge Brian Anderson homer. Not a huge one, but it's what ties up the game at one point, bottom of the fourth inning. Then you get Mar- Mar- Magnarius Sierra who I'd never even heard of before this game. You get a Starling Marte single, Sandy Leone doubles, and then the biggest crushing kind of hit of the game comes off of Lewis Brinson's bat, who's not good. who's only his third home run of the year. That brings in Sandy Leone and Devin Marrero, uh, making the score 9-2. to uh, In this game, you might be wondering how you Darvish did. Well, he was uh, he was okay. He goes, uh, not even okay. He wasn't, he wasn't particularly good, guys. He goes five innings, giving up four runs. He did strike out six and only walked one, which was nice, but... If you look at the past couple starts for you, Darvish, he's still an ace. He's still a very good pitcher, but he's looked less than aces lately. You know, the last start he had against Atlanta, he went five and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, which isn't too bad. But then Washington gave up six runs. Philadelphia gave up four runs. He's been in a little bit of a... A regression lately. He hasn't been as invincible as he looked, especially towards the beginning of the season uh, and cementing his all-star status. I'm not really worried about it, though. I still think he's plenty capable as a number one guy, and I still think that the Padres are going to make some moves, which we're going to talk about those moves in a little bit. Um, But still... And the other thing that got regurgitated yet again is the the Padres Twitter, the Padres media, Padres fans, whatever you want to call it, uh, just kind of gloom and doom, doomsday clock uh, when it comes to the Padres this season about how they keep they're very inconsistent against bad teams. You know what I mean? Against subpar teams. Let's say let's say subpar. Um, I think that some of those teams are just pretty good teams. I think that the Rockies. It's okay if you lose a game that Herman Marquez is starting. I get it. But in general, you're 6-6 six and six against them. you got to be better than that. And then if you're losing to the Nationals, well, Nationals aren't great, but they're not terrible. You know what I mean? They've got Juan Soto. they got Trey Turner, even Josh Bell. I know Kyle Schorber didn't play against us, but they've still got some decent pitching uh, every now and then. They're not a terrible team. They're not a terrible team. I know that the NL East isn't very good, but they're not terrible, okay? But bottom line is everybody keeps getting frustrated that this Padres team isn't 
doing better against subpar teams. And my response to that is, bottom line is they still have 58 wins. It is, and I said this in my Locked On Now video, which you guys should check out at LO underscore Padres on Twitter. I said this before, and my big thing with all this is, you have 58 wins. You're only five and a half games back of first place, two games back from the Dodgers, who you've beaten plenty of times, and we'll, we'll get into the Dodgers in a little bit too, actually. It's it's more that those teams are very good versus the Padres being bad. Guys, 58 wins, you're on pace for 94 wins. That's a good baseball team, especially for the Padres standards. So all the people that if they ever want to get on me for the non-Padres thing, hey, look at you guys. You guys are complaining. This is the best team you've had in 25 years, practically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Basically since the 98 World Series team and certainly since the 2006 team. So it's it's one of those things where you have to acknowledge that the Giants are just a very good team, and that's not necessarily the fault of the Padres because they have beaten them before. Uh, so that's my kind of take on that whole thing. You're going to lose some games. Bottom line, most World Series contenders, most world playoff contenders, most great teams in baseball, they win around 94 to 95 games. Not every team wins 110 you know what I mean? And teams that win that many games, <clears throat> the Dodgers, uh, some years, they end up not winning in the playoffs. So the Padres are certainly a contender. It is it is frustrating. I get it. I get that it's annoying that the Giants, who were a fringe wildcard team, in my opinion anyway, I talked to Ben Kaspik of Lockdown Giants a lot, fringe wildcard team. I know it's frustrating. They're pretty good, though. They're pretty good, and they've overperformed. I know that's annoying, but it happens sometimes. You know, Almonte Jr., whatever his name is. And if you just look at some of the basic Padres stats, like, you know, in terms of the offense, remember when the offense was just looking terrible and this was, this is no Slam Diego anymore? Like, some of the basic things. Batting average, they're eighth. On base percentage, they're fifth. Runs, they're fifth. Home runs, a little bit more, I would like there, but, you know, they're 14th there, slugging 12th. It's not bad numbers there. They have a pretty good bullpen, and... They haven't been playing awesome lately, but every great team goes through these stretches, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. And got the trade deadline this week, baby. We do. And we're going to get into what occurred yesterday in just a minute. But first, let me talk to you guys about the best protein bars in the world. They are the Built Bars, ladies and gentlemen. And here's what I love about them. They're covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. But they've got so many different flavors, man. It's... This is fantastic. They got carrot cake. They got mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, German chocolate, orange, everything you want. It's like the Ben and Jerry's type of variety of flavors, but for protein bars. And on top of that, they are protein bars, so they are healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. And they're even the official protein bar for the U.S. track and field team. How neat is that? Shout out the Olympics. Great thing. Uh, so what are you waiting for, guys? You should go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. AJ Preller. I want you to toss me off the highest building, off the ledge of a building, like I'm a, a, I'm, a, I'm a chip in the Plinko machine from The Price is Right, and just see me bounce all over the place and smash to the ground. AJ Preller, I want you to squish me. I want you to lift the great pyramids of Egypt over my head, smash them on me, and then have Bigfoot remove my head from my body and then throw it into the mouth of the Loch Ness Monster. AJ Preller, you are a god. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard already, yesterday it was announced, it was revealed, the news broke that the Padres have made the trade for Pittsburgh Pirates all-star second baseman Adam Frazier. The deal, here's the deal, the Padres get Adam Frazier in return, in return here. The Padres send to the Pittsburgh Pirates Mitchell Milano, Tuca Pitam, or Miliano, I think is how you say his name, uh, Tuca Pitam Marcano, and Jack Sawinski. Jack Sawinski's a bat. The big pitcher is Mr. Mitchell Miliano. He's a right-handed pitcher, ranked around, you know, one of the top 10 or so prospects in the Padres system or what have you, maybe top 15 around that area. Um, and then... Miliano uh, also had been, had some decent strikeout stuff at the time, but even still, no giant major pieces. Uh, Adam Frazier is under contract until after the 2022 season, so they do have him uh, locked up. This isn't a full rental, uh, and he's being described by the Padres as a super utility guy, right? That they're going to use him all over the place. Uh, he's mostly played second base, but is also experienced in places like in the outfield if need be. So where do we even start, ladies and gentlemen? And it should also be noted that the uh, Padres uh, are getting some cash back in the deal from Pittsburgh. Um, So here's the thing. Let's talk first from the Padres' perspective, and then I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the Pirates thing. Although I do recommend everyone go check out Locked On Pirates, uh, hosted by Ethan Smith, so he can break down the full thing for you guys. Um, Look, if you look at it this way, just in the fantasy kind of fun perspective, uh, the Padres' infield could potentially look like this. Jake Cronenworth at first base, Adam Frazier at second base, Fernando Tatis Jr. at short, and May Machado at third base. That's an infield of all all all-stars. I mean, like, literally, like, they were all named All-Stars this year. Uh, So that's the fun part, right? Adam Frazier is not a guy that hits for a lot of power. Only four home runs on the year. He ranks near the bottom of the league in terms of, like, the the big, you know, exit velo and all that stuff. He just doesn't hit the ball particularly all that far, you know what I mean? He's more of a singles king. But... That's the thing, is he's really, really good at what he does, right? Among players in the league, he ranks in the 98th percentile in terms of strikeout percentage, in terms of expected batting average, 97th percentage, and in whiff percentage, 98th percentage. That's right. He is just a hitter's hitter. He's a little bit like Nick Madrigal of the White Sox, so I feel like I might have brought up a little bit on this this podcast before, maybe. Um He's basically just this guy that like just gets just gets base hits for you. And believe it or not, I don't know if that's necessarily a thing that the Padres are dying for. Currently on the year, he's got a 390 on base with a 320 uh, batting average, which is lovely, which is lovely, of course. And they don't necessarily need power. They've got plenty of the guys in the lineup that have power that can hit home runs, even if they haven't always been in the top. They haven't been so slam Diego this year. Uh, even still, it's a nice addition to the lineup, and it provides more utility, like they said. So... That's the big thing, though, however, because if it's a super utility role, all right, that means what exactly is going to be the platoon with Jerks and Profar, Hassan Kim, Jorge Mateo. There's a lot of names that you want to kind of fit in there, right? And then not to mention Eric Hosmer, this means that there may be some days where Eric Hosmer isn't even the lineup because, as we all know, no DH in uh, the NL is very, very stupid. Not that, you know, Eric Hosmer has been the greatest at bat in the world. And let's talk about Hosmer for a second. A lot of people were freaking out saying, oh my God, send Eric Hosmer to the moon, send him to uh, Jupiter, send him to planet Arrakis from Dune, like get rid of the guy, right? I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, all right? They are describing as a super utility guy, which means they might give days off to guys like Tommy Pham or guys like Will Myers and Trent Grisham, you know what I mean? And that's kind of a good thing. It's nice to have this guy that you can plug in and play all across the field. It's great, and he's just a great batting average guy. 
but also with this move, the most interesting part, arguably, because I guarantee you guys, the Padres are not done. And I'm not, I don't even think they're done necessarily getting bats. I think that Joey Gallo trade could 100% still happen, especially because, you know, slugging percentage home runs, they're not exactly in the top of the league. So that would help a whole, whole lot. Um, the other thing about this is it makes Jerkson Profar, Jorge Mateo, and Hassan Kim a lot more movable. I would be less inclined to believe that Hassan Kim would be a guy that they would trade just because I do think that they believe that uh, given more time, he'll develop into a much better major league at bat. Plus, we already know his glove is excellent. Uh, I could see Jerkson Profar being a guy that maybe they include him in some sort of trade package at some point. they At some point, you think the Pirates are going to send down someone who's from the major league team, right? Instead of just prospects. So maybe that's something that happens maybe Jorge Mateo gets dealt because he's not exactly a guy that we feel like is a great bat right we we, we like him for his defense we like him for his speed in certain situations but he hasn't exactly been a guy I still love the face that he made last year I'll always remember uh the walk-off I think it was on Labor Day Memorial Day I forgot which one it was pretty sure the former I'm pretty sure it was Labor Day uh, a walk-off against the Rockies when he he slid home after the walk-off from Profar and then he's like ah and he like jumped up and he's smiling or whatever at home plate I'm always going to remember him for that but otherwise hasn't been that impressive of a player and if he is moved in a package it makes a little bit of sense for the Padres um so that's definitely something to keep an eye on and don't get me wrong I know everyone got excited about Hosmer I know they were like oh my gosh could this mean they just never play Hosmer it's probably not happening guys it's it's, it's it would be lovely if they could get rid of him somehow uh, because I just don't think he's very good and he's not even a good fielder which is what's most annoying about him right but you're not paying like 20 million dollars for a guy to just sit on the bench this is not happening right but um the last thing we should talk about now is let's talk about the negatives right let's talk about potential negatives I should say so number one what did the Padres give back like I said they gave up to Capita Marcano Mitchell Miliano and Jack Sawinski okay so, Miliano, like I said, he's been okay. He's got some decent strikeouts in AA. And uh, Jack Sawinski is a guy that has an OPS over 950 right now. So, there might be someone, oh, well, those guys are performing well. What the heck? Well, it's not like they're top-tier level prospects. The guys that are still their top tiers are Robert Hassel, um, Luis Campizano, and Mackenzie Gore, and C.J. Abrams, of course, too. Can't forget C.J. Abrams, a, a top-10 prospect in all of baseball, despite the fact that he, unfortunately, his season's over. Um, so, it's not one of the elite-tier prospects. So, in my opinion, I... I don't usually and overanalyze, especially when you are a super World Series S tier quality team. You know what I mean? Maybe when you're like a quote unquote contending, maybe if you're a Mariners team who's who I think have been way too good lately. It's kind of weird how good they've been despite their advanced stats not being well. Or maybe you're a Cincinnati Reds, right? Then you wonder a little bit if we're necessarily going to be you know, that we should go all in and start, you know, trading some of our prospects. But these aren't the type of guys that raise your eyebrows, at least in my opinion. Uh, Marcano is a guy that the Pirates, I imagine, are hoping becomes an Adam Frazier type. Not necessarily with the numbers, but just becomes a guy that maybe just hits for batting average, gets on base, and that's it. He does not have a lot of power, but maybe that's what the Pirates are thinking. They're thinking, let's sell high. And in my opinion, they did a decent good job at that. I actually think this is a pretty solid return to get something for a guy, an Adam Frazier, who basically heading into the season isn't exactly a guy that you would think would have all that much value. You know what I mean? He, this guy might win a batting title. So it was a surprising and good development for the Pirates to even get anything of worth, even get any sort of gems, any sort of you know trade assets potentially, or I shouldn't even say trade assets, just assets uh, for the future. So I do think it's a potential win-win for both teams. I don't think they fleeced the Pirates or anything like that. Remember that they're rebuilding. Uh, I think it could be a win-win for both. We'll see how the prospects pan out. But for now, I think it could be a win-win. And the last kind of thing to address about Adam Frazier 
Frazier is, well, this is the first season he's ever broke out. Like I said, he's it's this is a guy that you didn't think had any value before the season. Well, if you just look at kind of his his basic career numbers, right? For the Pirates, since he's been playing since 2016, last year he wasn't very good. 230 batting average with a 297 on base, 364 slugging, uh, just not very good. And also that was in a full sample size, 58 games basically. But granted, 2020 was weird. Every year before that, he batted 278. The year before that in 2019 with a 336 on base, 277 with a 342 on base, 276 with a 344 on base, and then his first year, 301, 356 uh, Um you know, split between batting average and on base. Granted, only 66 games that year. But still, it's not like this is a total... Because there's another guy that's been on the market lately, Byron Buxton, who is a big guy that I think people are rightfully excited about. But in fairness, Byron Buxton, from an offensive standpoint, he had never had, like, an on-base above, like, 310 for, like, his whole career. And we're all acting like he's definitely... The changes that he's made are, are concrete. I'm optimistic that Byron Buxton has seems to have been made a breakout, but I'm just saying, like, if we're all confident that's going to continue, granted, there's a, I'm making a little bit of a stretch here, guys, I'm not going to lie. Byron Buxton has been long believed to be a top prospect in all of baseball, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of more of a, it's finally coming to fruition, versus Adam Frazier, which is just a guy who's playing a little bit above his head uh, right now, at least for now. And then they get him for next season. But I'm just basically saying, in terms of those raw numbers, there's reason to believe that he can keep this up. You know, will he hit 330 for the rest of the year? Not necessarily. But even if he's a 290 guy, you know what I mean? That could still help this lineup that sometimes struggles to just get hits when you need them. And I like him there, and I like his utility value. So that's basically kind of my initial feelings on it. Hopefully he performs well for the Padres. But the other thing is this, before we kind of close up this podcast, is let's talk about another thing. I actually think that the best thing about this is the Sunday move. We all know A.J. Preller is a warlock of the highest degree, earning you know multiple stripes. He is a sage, master of the sixth paths, every sort of thing, right? He's not done dealing. He's not done dealing. I'm actually seeing on the timeline some little rumors now. Granted, it's from some sources that I don't necessarily know are are super legit that Craig Kimbrell could be heading to the Padres. We'll see about that. We will see. Uh, I don't know for sure, though, if that's necessarily true. And it's funny because I did just bring him up earlier in the podcast as a guy that you, to fix your bullpen, you don't need to go only for Craig Kimbrell, right? You can find some other guys. There's plenty of relievers on the market, even if granted, not necessarily as um super awesome as Craig Kimbrell. Reuniting with him would be fun, though, I must admit. Um, just stay stay tuned. Stay tuned. I actually will say this. My, my take of the podcast, not about Adam Frazier, not about any of this stuff. I think the best thing that could happen for the Padres at the deadline is that the Dodgers don't get Max Scherzer. I actually think that would be the best possible thing because then that gives you the Bueller, Kershaw, Scherzer thing and Big Max, Mad Max, he has big game gene in him. I'd be much more afraid if the Dodgers got him. Is Send him to any other team. Send him to an American League team. Send him to the Blue Jays, whatever. That would be fine. I, I would be a little sad if the, the Padres had a chance at getting him and they don't. But for me, the bigger thing is hoping that he isn't sent to the Dodgers. I think that that rumor is fairly legit. Apparently, both the Padres and Dodgers are inquiring about him. I could see it, man. I really could. Future Hall of Famer, we'll have to see. But that's my take, guys. Don't let them get Max Scherzer. I said in the offseason, don't let them get Trevor Bauer. That could have been the worst thing to happen for the Padres. Uh, it was for a little bit, the fact that they add another pitcher, but we all know that situation has gone uh, really poorly. Uh, Trevor Bauer, not a great dude. Uh, so that's enough of that, though, guys. Uh, really exciting day, and I cannot wait for the rest of the week to talk about all this stuff. But before we wrap everything up, let me just talk to you real quickly about... 
the Locked On Bets podcast, guys. Betting on the Padres, betting on whoever, it doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. These guys are really good at picking games, guys. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. In terms of the future of this podcast, though, for the rest of the week, going to be recapping what I assume will be another seven trades that the Padres make with AJ Preller at the helm. I love him so much. Oh my God. I love that, man. Uh, So I'll be recapping that, of course. We'll be recapping the the games against the A's, against the Rockies, all that stuff, and probably going to have a crossover with Mr. Jason Burke of Locked On A's this week. So we'll be talking about all that. Uh, It's going to be a crazy week, and you guys are not going to want to miss episodes of the show. Probably of me losing my mind, looking like I am... Jason Statham in Crank when he has to, you know, up his adrenaline or whatever the heck happened in that crazy movie. That's how I'm going to feel after every trade that AJ Brother makes. Oh, I love him so much. Very exciting stuff, guys. But that all being said, though, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, where. Ever. Be sure to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. I would greatly appreciate that. Let's celebrate Trade Deadline Week with some five-star super reviews. And send me a question on there. And I'll guarantee it'll be answered on the show. You know what I mean? And, yeah, if you send me a Trade Deadline question, just so you know, uh, I'm, I've am i said so much at this point that we probably just have to wait and see what happens. But uh, be sure to do that, guys. I would greatly appreciate that. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.